How many of you remember Mr. Men from when you were kids, yeah? I'm very excited. We're very excited about this series. This is a series we're going to run over the summer, the next seven weeks. Uh, Our children are doing it. Our teenagers are doing it in Excel, and adults are going to do it together as well. Some of the characters are slightly different, but over the next seven weeks, we're looking at various Mr. Men, Little Miss characters, looking at identity and looking at some issues that these characters raise up, and then what the Bible has to say about these kind of issues. And I believe this is going to be a lot of fun, but also some really serious, important, life-changing stuff that we want to share over the next few weeks. And it's my privilege to kick off, and our first character that we want to introduce to you is is this gentleman here. He is Mr. Worry. You see, Mr. Worry worries about everything. If it rains, he worries that his roof will leak. If there's no rain, he worries that all his plants will die. He worries about the other Mr. Men, and he meets a wizard who suggests he makes a list of all his worries, and the wizard will make sure none of them happen. But when there is nothing to worry about, Mr. Worry is happy for a week until he's worried because he's got nothing to worry about. And and I I think that worry is an issue that affects every single one of us, don't you? I really do. Now, whether you're young, whether you're older, whether you've been a Christian a long time, whether you're not sure whether you are a Christian or not, worry is an issue that affects all of us. Listen to this quote. Women worry about the things that men forget, while men worry about the things that women remember. How true is that? Charlie Brown, that other cartoon character, he said, I've developed a new philosophy. I only dread one day at a time. That's not the antidote to worry that we want to talk about this morning. But here's the thing. I think some worry seems ridiculous to us. I mean, can you imagine a 10-year-old boy who can't sleep uh, at night and his mom asks him why and he says, because I have no pension plan. I mean, some of us are worried about that, okay? But a 10-year-old boy... Or, or, the, or the, the eight-year-old girl who's got a sad face and a mom asks her why and she says, because I'm going to be a terrible example to my kids. I think that's ridiculous. Why are you worrying about that now? Or the little kid who's, who's four and he says, he's worried and he can't sleep at night and his mom says, why are you worried? And he says, I'm never going to get that chemistry D. I'm never going to get into Oxford to get that degree. It's ridiculous. You'd think you shouldn't worry about those kind of things at that stage in your life. But you know, I realized as I was preparing this that some of the things that I used to worry about were also ridiculous. You see, at school, and this is the truth, I used to worry because I was too thin. And if you don't believe that, here is a picture of me at 13. I'm the one about being pushed in the And that was what I looked like as a teenager. And I used to worry that I was too thin, something I don't didn't really need to worry about, to be honest. But then as a late teenager in my early 20s, I also worried because I couldn't get my hair mullet to look quite right. But on my wedding day, I think you'll agree, I really did. Come on. Look at that hair. Isn't that impressive, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Now, here's the thing. On my wedding day, there were also a couple of other guys in the band that day who, 26 years later, are still in the band. And they used to also worry about their hair, and they needn't have worried about it. Take a look at Mr. Lee and Mr. Martin. Oh, yes. (laughs) How scary is that? (laughs) We'll just leave that there for you to focus on in our worship time together, okay, just to inspire you. But, you know, worry... I realize now that I didn't need to worry about what I worried about then, because worry is actually all about tomorrow. And here's the thing about worry. Worry borrows from tomorrow rather than living in today. Worry borrows from tomorrow rather than living 
in today. And that's what we're going to look at, folks, this morning. Every week, we're going to look at a different Mr. Men or Little Miss character, and we're going to look at some characters from the Bible that kind of speak into uh, their name, if you like, and their identity. And uh, I want to encourage you to really participate with us in this series. You know, if you are on social media, uh, we're putting lots of stuff out there. There's little things you can do on Facebook that tell you what kind of Mr. Men character you are. Apparently, if you're in our house, then you're Mrs. Clever and Mr. Impossible. So there you go. So, you know, you just be, be very glad you don't live with me or my wife. That's who we are. But, and most of you are Mr. Happy, apparently, according to what we've done. I think you just want to be, really. So that's how those things work. Um, but, but we really encourage you to participate in this. And then the kids are going to be drawing. Uh, they've done a little drawing competition. So you're going to see that a little bit later. Right at the end of the series, on the very last Sunday in August, we're going to do an all-age where we're going to bring it all together. And uh, it's optional, the kids are going to come as fancy dress, and it is optional that you could also come as fancy dress for your Mr. Men character if you want, or you can come and laugh at everybody else, making complete twits of themselves, all right? So that's at the end of the whole series. But I want to look at a character from the Old Testament, and I'm going to read this to you, it's not going to come up on the screen, and it, the, the guy's name is Jehoshaphat, and he was a king, and in 2 Chronicles 20, this is what happens on one of the days of his life. It says, After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, with some of the Meunites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told the king, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hazazon Tamar, that is En Gedi. Now, there's lots of big words in that. Let me just tell you what that means, all right? There's a king called Jehoshaphat. He wakes up one day. It's like a normal, ordinary day. Somebody comes to tell him, there's some enemies and they come together. Three of them have joined forces together and they are 15 miles from your door. 15 miles from your door. Up until this day, every day for Jehoshaphat was great. He was doing fine. Life was brilliant. Life was, he was little or little Mr. Sunshine. Everything was great. Then all of a sudden, he hears bad news. How could he have reacted? Well, he could have reacted out of anger. So he says in verse 1, after this. Well, after what? Well, after this is referring to what happened before. And what happened before is that Jehoshaphat led the nation in social and religious reforms. He brought the nation back to God. He did so much good for God, it was unreal. After doing so much good for God... He wakes up one day to hear the news that there are three armies and they're coming against him and they're only 15 miles from his door. He could have been angry, couldn't he? God, I've done so much of this stuff for you. How could you let this happen to me? Anyone ever thought like that? How could you let it happen to me when I've done all this for you? He could have had anger. He could have had fear. In fact, the very next verse, which we're going to look at in a moment, the first word says, alarmed. So when Joshua hears the news, it says alarmed. That word has more in it than just we think. It means shaken. It means frightened. In another translation, it says, I was terrified by this news. And you know, when you hear bad news, fear is a normal reaction. But he could have been angry. He could have been fearful. He could have been worried, couldn't he? They're 15 miles from my door. So they're not here today, but tomorrow... They could be here. So what am I going to do? What will happen? Which army will reach me first? What are my options? What could happen to me tomorrow? All these different things. Now, 
this is a normal human reaction, isn't it? It's a normal human response. You're doing great, and then you get some bad news about tomorrow, and that totally ruins your today. Anyone else? Any, ever had that? And let's pause for a moment and look at worry. What is worry? Worry means to be pulled in different directions. The old English root word for worry, it, it, it literally means to strangle the life out of. It's like something has come and it's choking the life out of you. What are the effects of worry? Well, there are some physical effects. Worrying is not a disease, but it can cause diseases. Heart disease, uh, ulcers, uh, high blood pressure, migraines. There are emotional effects of worry. Worry can affect our decision making, our actions, our feelings, our peace of mind. There are some relational effects of worry. When you are gripped by anxiety and worry, it's very difficult to relate well to other people. And there are some spiritual uh, responses or effects of worry as well. Where are you, God? Why did you let this happen? Will you come through for me? What did Jesus have to say about worry? And we are going to look at this a moment, and then we're going to come back to this story. See, Jesus gathered some group of people together. It wasn't in a, in a building like this, sat in rows. It was outside. And it was outside for a reason, because that's how rabbis taught in those days. Usually, they taught in the synagogues, but often they would taught, teach outside. And they would use visual illustrations from outside, from the world in which people knew and understood. And in Matthew chapter 6, it says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. And as he said that, they'd have all looked up. They'd have looked at the birds of the air. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? It's a rhetorical question because the answer is yes. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Of course, the answer is no. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They've all looked. They've all looked at the flowers of the field as he was pointing them out. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry asking, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. You know, I have to be totally honest. I mean, I've been a Christian for a long time now, okay? More years than I can even remember off the top of my head. It's a long time. 32 years. 33, oh my God, it was my birthday this week. 34 years I've been a Christian, okay? That's a long time. And I've heard this many times, and I have to be honest. When I hear it on a good day, I'm fine. I'm, are you with that? I'm amen. Preach it. When I hear it on a bad day, I'm, are you kidding? Are you for real, God? Because that sounds to me like, don't worry about a thing. Remember that song? Because every little thing. That's what it sounds like, doesn't it? It really does. It sounds like a Bob Marley kind of version of what we should do. So, so here's Jehoshaphat getting all these three armies come to him. And he's in his, just clicking and singing reggae. You know, it just doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem real. And yet when you get underneath the surface, what Jesus does first is he exposes the futility of allowing worry to grip you. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? In other words, worrying doesn't change a thing. 
Not a thing. Not a thing. Who of you, by worrying, has upgraded your car or your house? Who of you, by worrying, has taken a year off your life? You see, worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but gets you nowhere. So we do it, and we worry, but it absolutely gets us nowhere. So how do we not become Mr. or Mrs. Worry when we hear news? When we hear that bad, potentially bad news about tomorrow, how do we now today not become a Mr. or Mrs. Worry? And Jesus offers an alternative to worry. And if you're a Christian, you need to hear this today. Because no matter how many times you've heard it, no matter how many times God has come through for you, there comes another day when you need to hear it again. Isn't that right? Because it's like, actually, today it feels like I don't know this truth. That's what worry does to you. That's what news does to you. It rocks you. It shakens you like, like Jehoshaphat. You're alarmed and you're frightened and all of these things. So if you're a Christian, you need to hear it. And if you're not a Christian this morning, this reason alone might be a good enough reason for you to think about becoming a Christian. What are you going to do with the worry that you have? What are you going to do when bad news comes knocking on your door? Where are you going to put that worry so that you don't become Mr. or Mrs. Worry? You see, Jesus says that worry is all about later. It's all about what might or might not happen tomorrow. And in the context of the first century, the things that he was talking about were real and relevant to them. What will they eat? What will they wear? Okay, you know, what will they drink? Those were real first century issues. For us, our worries are a lot more like, how are we going to pay the bills? What's going to happen to the kids? What about our marriage? What about our work? What about our health? Most of us aren't going to worry so much about eat, wear and drink, although some of us do in our culture, unfortunately. But as a, as a different problems, but, but Jesus would say the same thing. Who of you, by worrying about those things, is going to make any difference whatsoever? Now, Jesus is not saying don't do anything about these things. So if you're sick, go to the doctor. If you're in financial trouble, talk to somebody. If your marriage is under pressure, get some help. Jesus is not saying don't do anything. But Jesus is saying do those things, but with the worry, you've got to do something different with the worry. Or it will choke the life out of you. And Jesus says, you're more valuable than birds. Look at this, look, and they'll look up and they'll look at the birds and they say, you're more valuable than them. You're more valuable than the flowers in the fields. He is not arguing for passivity or irresponsibility. And this is interesting. He is saying, you have an advantage over birds and flowers. You can think, you can plan ahead, you can anticipate, but with all that means that you have the ability to worry that none of the rest of creation has. You understand that, don't you? So we've been given, because we're made in the image of God, all of the or creation bears the glory of God, but we're made in the image of God. It means that we have that ability to plan and to anticipate, and which, which often creation doesn't have, but with it means that we have the ability to worry as well. The issue here is do you trust him? Do you trust him with what might or might not happen tomorrow? Do you trust him? And then there's a phrase that's used here that's only used in this part of the Bible. It's never used anywhere else in the original language. When Jesus says, you have little faith, sounds quite harsh, doesn't it? In the original language, it's a very interesting. It's actually a playful term. Literally translated, you could translate it like this. You little faith as you. You little faith as you. It's, it's a little bit playful. It's a bit like, come on, what's the matter? You know, where's your faith? It's not really a, a stern thing. It's a little playful. You little faith as you. 
See, what he's saying is that we reach out and we drag tomorrow's concerns into today, but we don't need to, folks, because God will be there when you need him. God will be there when you need him. Jesus says, don't worry and run after all that stuff, because the pagans do that. And when he says pagans, that sounds horrible. He literally means everyone else. It's everyone else who's not of faith. That's how they live their lives. But if you're of faith, you shouldn't live your life like that, because you know God. And the God that you knew yesterday is the same God that you can experience today is the God who's going to show up tomorrow. Isn't that great? This is what I want you to think about. This is going to come up on the screen. When you are tempted to borrow from tomorrow, participate in today. When you are tempted to borrow from tomorrow, participate in what God wants to do today. How many of you are ever tempted to borrow from tomorrow and worry? I know I am. I had a finance meeting this week. Oh, yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. You get some news. You're tempted to borrow from tomorrow rather than participate in what God is doing today. And we smuggle tomorrow's troubles into today. But he is with you today and he'll be waiting on you tomorrow. But the big question is, how do you do this? It's so hard. So let's go back to our story. Jehoshaphat hears the news. The Bible says he's alarmed. He could have been angry. He has some fear. He could have let worry grip him. How is he going to respond? This is what happened in 2 Chronicles 20 verse 3. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. They came from every town to seek him. His first instinctive response is to go to God. I wish I was more like that. I have been like that. I am like that sometimes, but sometimes I'm not. He was alarmed. He was frightened. He was worried. But he did not become Mr. Worry because he first went to God. He resolved to inquire of the Lord. He turned his attention. He set his face. He determined. When it says um, it, all the people came to seek God, that word to seek means to trample underfoot. All of their energy was in pursuing God. All of their energy was into pursuing God, nobody else. The nation joins him in that process. And then the king gets up. And this is a big deal for a king in the ancient world. And he tells the people, I don't know what to do. That's a big deal. A king never does that. Never ever does that. And this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, 2 Chronicles 20 verse 12. We have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Amen? Being real and being honest. You see, not, not becoming, by not becoming Mr. Worry, that doesn't mean we become Mr. Denial. Okay? See, that's not what it's about. It's not saying, well, there's no problems. It doesn't matter. And you know, there are people that like that, so they don't open the bills. If I don't open the bill, then the problem will go away. If I don't go to the doctors and take a look at this, then the problem will go away. That's Mr. and Mrs. Denial. But what he does is he resolves to inquire of the Lord and he pushes in and he says, listen, I do not have a clue what to do, but our eyes are on him. Amazing. When we're faced with impending bad news, we go one of two ways. We go worry and panic or we go control and fix it, don't we? So, so that's how we react. So when we hear the bad news, we go worry and panic and everything falls apart or we go control and fix it. I'll solve this. There is a third way. 
There is a third way, folks. And that isn't a way of passivity. It doesn't mean that we necessarily do nothing. But it's a way where we don't go to worry and panic. And we don't go to control and fix it. But we go to God. And we go and we release the worry and the anxiety to God first. That might mean that we've then got something to do. Which in the story shows that he did. But first, our first reaction, our first response is we take it to God. You see, sometimes we have to give up in order for God to come through. Sometimes we need to stop focusing on the problem and start focusing on the problem solver. Because I know what I am intuitively like because of the way that God has wired me and instinctively I'll go to try and solve the problem. Not just because I'm a man, but that's because how I'm wired. But the problem with that sometimes is that you can then go every which way around the problem and it brings you down rather than going to the problem solver. Then it may be that then we need to go and look at the problem after that. You know, I was um, at a meeting this week and, and we were praying together with some other leaders and one of the guys had this picture and what that means if you're new to this is like an impression in his head that, that God was speaking to him through and, and, and he saw one of these stop signs, you know the stop go signs that they have on temporary road works. They're the one side says stop and the other side says go and how frustrating it is when your side says stop. But he says, but maybe God's saying that your side might stay, say stop but maybe God's side is saying go. Because maybe he's working on the road ahead of you, but you need to stop. And it made me think about that, and I thought about this. Sometimes God is waiting for us to stop working, so that while we are waiting, God is working. And it may be that you need to hear that this morning. As I was praying, I thought that's a word for some people here today. Sometimes God is waiting for us to stop working, so that while we are waiting, God is working further on up the road on our behalf. And that is exactly what happens in this story. He hears the bad news. He's alarmed and frightened and worried. But he goes to God and he gathers the people together and they pray. And then this is exactly what happens. When they stop, God goes and God does something in the situation. I'm going to read you some snippets out of the story so you can get a picture. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, one of the guys. As he stood in the assembly, he said, Listen, king, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. And as they began to sing and praise, as they began to worship, the Lord set ambushes against the men who were invading them. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooked the desert, they looked towards the vast army. They saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. The fear of the Lord came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. Isn't that amazing? So he didn't deny it. He didn't deny it. But he went to God first. And he said, tomorrow, God I need to give that to you. I need to participate in what you're doing today and I need to give you the worries and fears of tomorrow. You see, we have a choice to make, folks, to put our trust in worry or to put our trust in God. I mean, rewrite Proverbs 3. Trust in worry with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. It doesn't make any sense, does it? It really doesn't. It won't work. And Jesus taught this to his followers early on in his life and ministry. And then right towards the end, as he's about to get crucified, he taught them again about trusting in him. You know, don't let your hearts be troubled because I'm going to prepare something for you. So, so, so don't worry about that. And then he prophesies his own death and resurrection and then he pulls it off. Now any man who can prophesy his own death and resurrection and pull it off, I'm going to trust that man. 
aren't you? That's exactly what Jesus does. So as we finish today, my prayer as I'm preparing this was this. I, I was praying, God, let this be inspirational, but more than inspirational, let this be practical and helpful. Because at the end of the day, if you do not leave here this morning with some practical tools that will help you when worry comes, then you and I will become Mr. and Mrs. Worry tomorrow. Because Jesus said, didn't he? Hey, every day has enough trouble of its own. So one thing you've got to look forward to, all right, there will be trouble coming. There always is. How are we going to not become Mr. or Mrs. Worry? And I've got four tools for you this morning. Firstly, begin your day deciding to trust in God. You know, maybe, maybe, this sounds so basic, maybe we could get ahead of worry. Maybe if we start our day, and listen, 10 minutes in any chair of your choosing with a Bible, not a phone, because if you use your phone, you will get distracted. 10 minutes in any chair with a Bible, reading it, reading it out loud maybe, you can get ahead of worry and maybe stay ahead that day. Now, honesty time. Every day do I do that? Not every single day. Most days I do. Am I glad when I've done it? Absolutely. Do I know when I've not done it? You bet. Does everyone else around me know when I've not done it? Of course they do. I am better when I've given the start of the day, just 10, 15 minutes in a chair of your choosing, wherever it may be, to God and to the Word of God. Because what you do by that is you declare, today, God, whatever happens to me, I'm trusting you. And we read out some of these verses. So read out, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I have fear? You know, when enemies attack me, who will they devour me? You know, one thing I do, I, I, I seek him in his temple. You know, he, he, he'll guard me. He'll protect me. Doesn't let my feet stumble or slip. And you read these things out. And so at the start of the day, you get ahead of worry and maybe you can stay ahead. Secondly, another tool, relabel your worry as tomorrow. Just say, hey, this is tomorrow. Do all you can do, but release the worry to him. Release the worry to tomorrow. And there's a great thing, and I've just pressed the next page and gone onto Facebook. <laughs> such, a, such a 21st century problem. First century problem. Relabel your worry as tomorrow. And you know, you see, what we do is, is we kill ourselves by worrying about tomorrow stuff today. Relabel it. Hey, this is tomorrow, not today. Number three, participate in what God is doing today. This is brilliant. When worry begins to grip you, look for a way to participate in what God is doing today. Pray for someone else. Give. Reach out to someone else. Participate in God's kingdom now. That's great advice. Do you know that? I can say that so passionately because it's something I've taken from someone else, okay? It's great. When you are gripped by worries about tomorrow, today, participate in what God is doing today. It's one of the best antidotes to worry. When you pray for someone else, you give to someone else, you reach out, you join in with what God is doing. And finally, give God your worries at the end of the day. don't know about you, but one of the things that I find is that often sleep is one of the things that can come when worry comes. Any, any, any no, no one about? And our worries are, go on into the night and we can't sleep. You know, Alison, my wife, is just flying back uh, from Guatemala. She's been out there with uh, John and Ruth, a couple of other leaders in the church, and they've had a week out in Guatemala and they've had a great time as far as I can tell. Haven't heard much news because Wi-Fi is not great there. But one of the things I found in my research was in Guatemala, which I didn't know, random, um, they have something called a worry doll. 
where they have this little doll which they give to kids and they encourage them to talk to the kids about their worries and almost like the ideas that the doll will take them away. It's a little bit superstitious, but the idea is this, that if you give your worries to someone, maybe there's something going to happen in that transaction. And you know what we believe, don't we, is that at the end of the day, as I lay my head down and say, God, there's all kinds of stuff going on about tomorrow, but I'm going to give that to you now. Father, would you help me sleep? And here's the thought I want to end with. Every evening, I turn my worries over to God. He's going to be up all night anyway. Isn't he? So every evening, so every morning, I'm going to start, I'm going to start, try and get ahead of worry, yeah? I'm going to relabel worry as tomorrow. When worry begins to grip, I'm going to look to how I can participate in what God is doing today. And at the end of the day, I'm going to give my worries to God because he's going to be up all night anyway. Not me. I'm going to ask the guys to come back. And um, Abby's going to sing to us and over us this morning. My prayer for this next moment, really, is that God, by his spirit, will really touch into many lives. I know that there are people here, and this is very real. Yeah, and it's Mr. Men and Little Miss, and it all seems a little, but hey, this is really deep and real. You've had news in your life, and you're still working with that news. Health issues, marriage issues, financial work, relational. And I know that many of you in this room, you're gripped by that worry. What will happen to me tomorrow? And I'm not saying that in any way to condemn you, because you love God, many of you who are in this situation. But you just don't see what God is doing tomorrow. You can't see that today. And as Abby sings, I want you to listen to the words of this because this is, these are words sung and spoken right into the situation. Not when it is all dancing and rejoicing, but right in the middle of your story when you don't know what's going to happen. And God wants to speak into your situation this morning. And he's going to say these words over you and to you this morning. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. And the night can only last for so long. Whatever you're facing, if your heart is breaking, there's a promise for the ones who just Hold on. So lift up your eyes and see. The sun is rising. Why don't we just all stand together for a moment? Just, let's just close our eyes for a moment. If, if, if you're able to stand, j- just stand with me for a moment. Because what I want to do is, there will be many of us here in this room, I'm sure, really resonate with what I've said and what Abby sung. Maybe for you right now, you're in a situation where you just don't know how you're going to get through. You're right in the middle of your story and worry and anxiety and pressure and what will happen to me tomorrow? Look, I don't know the answer to all that, but I know that God is with you. I know God can intervene. And maybe this morning, as a physical response of saying, I'm going to stop trying to work it all out and I'm going to rest and I'm going to put my worries into the hands of God. What I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to sit down so that you physically will respond. You say, I can't do anything anymore. I'm going to stop trying to stand for a moment and for a moment I'm just going to sit. So I want you to sit right where you are and I want to pray for you. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, Lord, all across this place, Lord Jesus, life is being lived. God, there's news coming. There's tough situations. 
God, I want to pray for all these honest people who've just sat down. Holy Spirit, it's a little bit like we turn that stop sign so that we're saying, Lord, please, could you go? We're going to stop, so you go. We're going to quit working and we're going to wait on you. So, Lord, maybe now you can start to work. God, I ask you, would you work on behalf of all these people this morning? Where there are health issues, where there are relational, financial. God, would you be at work in all of these issues, I pray. Lord, in the midst of all that, I pray that every single person sat down would participate in what you're doing every single day. Even though tomorrow is scary. Even though tomorrow is a foreboding and even though tomorrow has got clouds in it, God, I pray that they would participate in what you're doing today and they would know the life that you want for them today. And God, as they do that, Lord, you will, you will lift the clouds and the sun will rise tomorrow. And so, Lord, I want to speak life and hope into these guys' lives, I pray. And God, we want to hold on. We want to hold on, Lord Jesus. We want to keep looking to you. We don't want to become Mr. or Mrs. Worry. We want to become Mr. and Mrs. Trust. Mr. and Mrs. Faith. Mr. and Mrs. Hold on. We're going to hold on to you. Even if we have to give up on the worry and the control, we're going to hold on to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you stand with me? You know, God is amazing, isn't he? I'm very excited about what God wants to do in this series. Next week, Jane's looking at Mr. Grumpy. Okay, so some of you will connect in with that. (laughs) I know I will as well. But about our attitude and our heart. Just as we finish, we're going to just sing a simple refrain so that we go with this kind of refrain on our lips and into the world. And don't forget, please don't forget those practical tools. Ten minutes in a chair of your choosing with your Bible at the start of the day get ahead of worry relabel worry as tomorrow when worry grips you participate in the life of God today and at the end of the night give your worry to the one who's going to be up all night anyway Amen